And I felt God press me and be like, in order for me to move, you need to move. And I'm just like, wow, that sounds simple. <laughs> but it, it hit hard, you know? I'm just like, wow. It was just this revelation. Okay. And it was ever since then where no matter what came my way, no matter how uncomfortable it made me, no matter how many people were going to be watching, no matter if I made myself look foolish, I was going to say, yeah. You want to do an altar call? Yeah. You want to do a Bible study? Yes. You want to go to this ministry? Yes. And even though my head would be shaking, no, you know, I'll be saying, yeah. Honestly, it was, I needed to really do that in order for God to be like, okay, I'm going to do something. As long as he's willing. Welcome to the free sermon podcast of the Potter's House Church in Virginia Beach, affiliated with Christian Fellowship Ministries. Our vision is winning souls, making disciples, and planting churches. It's Tuesday where you're going to hear a powerful testimony of God's grace revealed in human lives. Each Tuesday, you'll hear Pastor Adam interviewing pastors from around the world to share the mighty miracles that God has done in their lives to give you hope for yours. We share the stories of the men behind the messages you hear every other day on this podcast. Keep in mind that the free version only includes a portion of the whole testimony interview. To listen to the full version... Use the links in the show notes to subscribe via Apple Podcasts or Supercast.tech. Every dollar goes to supporting world evangelism. Enjoy today's Testimony Tuesday. Well, hello. Welcome back to the VBPH Sermon Podcast. This is Pastor Adam with you again, and uh, it is time for some Testimony Tuesday. We're glad to have you with us. Whether you're joining us live or you're hearing this later as we release it on the podcast, such a pleasure. Uh, to once again be with you and to welcome in a pastor from our fellowship uh, who is going to share his testimony with us. And we're very pleased and uh, blessed to have Emmanuel Zepeda with us. I hope I'm saying that right, Emmanuel Zepeda. Please correct me if I didn't say that correct. Yeah, it'll be uh, Zepeda. Zepeda. Okay, thank you, sir. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me. Hey, man, such a blessing. We appreciate you making the time and uh, you, you are a fairly new listener of the podcast, so uh, I hope it's been a blessing to you. Oh yeah, no, most definitely. Always at work, just putting in, um, putting on the podcast, just listening to great sermon. <laughs> yeah, that, that's uh, that's hopefully that's uh, what <clears throat> we. I, I just heard uh, we had an impact team uh, that went from uh, Spring Lake, North Carolina, up to Indianapolis, not Indianapolis, uh, Cincinnati. And they uh, they said that for 18 hours straight they listened to nothing but sermons. Uh, <laughs> so they wow. they were very, very very grateful to have <laughs> some something to listen yes. to. Yes. <laughs> so that's awesome. Well, uh, thanks for thanks again for making the time to join us tonight. We appreciate that. So you are from sunny California. Yes, um, I was actually born in um, Brawley, California, which is like towards the Arizona border. But for the most part, I was born there, but I was raised in San Diego. Okay. And so you are, uh, uh, for those who have not heard of you or haven't met you before, um, tell us where you're serving God and how long you've been saved, the short version. So um, I've been serving God in the San Diego church with Pastor Rice. Um, that's going to be the Claremont Church in San Diego. Um, I've got saved at end of um, 2015. And so, you know, it was a time in my life where I had to choose one or two roads. And it was almost like God was like, all right, this is it. You know, you're going to choose and you're not going to have the choice later on. Okay. So then that's when, you know, just turn to God from there from 2015. Awesome, man. That's, that's 
praise God. We are very excited to hear how people got saved. So we're going to dive into your personal journey and tell us a little bit more about how you grew up. You said you're from Brawley, California. Tell us about uh, your family life and what was it like? So, yeah, so I grew up in um, Brawley, California. I grew up in a very dysfunctional home. Um, both my parents were heavily involved in drugs and were in and out of prison. And so with that happening, we were actually in and out of um, foster home over there. It's oh, wow. called Los, yeah, it's called Los Niños over there. And this is where, you know, for the most part, my childhood is kind of like, you know, when you have that memory of what, when you start remembering things, that's kind of when I started having my memory in the sense of like, I would always remember in and out of that, that foster home. Um, yeah, so, you know, growing up, we never knew, you know, honestly, when the police were going to come and take my dad away because, you know, he wasn't saved at the time. Neither was my mother. And they were, you know, like I said, just heavily involved in drugs and, you know, just very dysfunctional, hard for a kid to grow up. I was about, I would want to say the age right before I wasn't in school yet. So this was a little bit before kindergarten. And so it wasn't until, you know, my family moved to San Diego. Um, is when we actually got introduced to the Potter's house. So that's just a little bit of, you know, my childhood and how I grew up and how I was um, raised. Man, so in the foster system, was it was it uh, just you or you had some other siblings that was with you in, in that? Yeah, so um, at the time it was just the four siblings. So I was the youngest at the time. I had an um, older brother and then my two older sisters. And so um, as we went into the foster home, um, we went into like, it almost seemed like a boys and girls club. Like it was just like a big gymnasium. And then there was kind of like bunks and rooms everywhere. But um, it was kind of hard because I had to be separated because, of course, they separated the boys and girls. So I had to be alone um, with, um, at the time, I think it was some, some kid that was going through some crazy stuff. Like he would just be screaming all night. And as a kid, I was like, I didn't know what was going on. I was just like freaking out, just like. I don't know what to do. You know, I would remember even as a kid, just like just crying at night, just like, you know, I didn't have my mom. I didn't have my dad. I didn't even have my sisters. Um, so, you know, it was pretty tough. Um, and then, you know, we finally went into like a, a foster home and that was, you know, now looking back, you know, there's a couple of people in our church that um, have foster kids and just seeing the love they had for them. But you could really tell that the people we went with, we're doing it for just the money, not having a heart in it. Um, there was a lot of times where, you know, they couldn't hit us. So what happened was they would pull me by the ear until when my ear would even start ripping a little bit and start bleeding. Ooh. And so, yeah, so it was a pretty hard time. And then, honestly, I didn't really like the woman's cooking. So um, I was used to my mom's. And so what happened was um, I was forced to sleep at the table because I wouldn't eat my food. And um, when I went into this foster home, the good thing is I was with my two sisters, which um, were basically like, like my mothers at the time. And, you know, I would fall asleep at the table. I wouldn't want to eat the food. And then one of my sisters would come like probably two, three in the morning, pick me up and take me to the bed. And now I would, I would go to sleep from there. But it was, um, and I actually started my first years of um, kindergarten, going to school with that um, foster care, which I believe was in Calexico, California. Wow. Wow. Yeah. So, um, and, and so what was the story <clears throat> with, with your parents? How, how come you couldn't stay with them? Um, so my father was in prison. Um, he was in prison for armed robbery. He went into prison a little bit um, after I was born. I want to say like 93, 94. I was born in 92. 
Um, and so he was in prison, so he couldn't take care of us. My mother, which at the time, like I would, you know, we would get taken away from our parents and it would be because it wasn't their choice. However, my mom made a choice to give us up because she was actually going into a woman's home. And so I kind of battled a little bit of rejection as a kid because in the beginning it was like, no, they took us away. But at this point in time, it was like, my mom gave me away, you know? Yeah. And, you know, looking back now, you know, I could see, you know, it was for the good. I could see that, you know, you know, that's where she, you know, first gave her life to God and started doing good. She got off drugs. And yeah, so I did battle that rejection. And so, you know, we went into the system from there. And as um, family that we did have family around, but for the most part, you know, who wants to take in four kids? Especially, you know, my parents were known to be like the rebels of the family. So we kind of had a disconnection with them. So, you know, definitely we went straight into the system and nobody really took us in from our family. Wow. Wow. That's that's rough, man. And uh, yeah. so you, you generally see uh, that people who go through something like that, that they're either going to uh, get sucked into it and, and become really bad off. Or there's uh, there's a few people who respond well. To that and bounce back and become mm-hmm. something something great. So, uh, as you were growing up in in your foster family, um, how, how did things change for you from there? Well, honestly, like um, I didn't really have too much of religious um, background. Um, honestly, we went to like the the local church just to get sandwiches because we were living in poverty. You know, when my dad was out, of course, we had good money because he was selling drugs. But of course, when he went into prison, you know, we didn't really have anything. So we would honestly go over there for the sandwiches, which, you know, I do remember how good they were to this day. (laughs) (laughs) But um, yeah, so, you know, from there, you know, we moved to San Diego. And then that's kind of like when I got introduced to the Potter's house. It was actually my 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 Theo Ben and my Theo Rosie, which is uh, my aunt and uncle, um, actually brought us in my mother and all four of us at the time i do have five but one of them was born afterwards um in san diego so he didn't really experience that lifestyle so how how old were you when they when they started bringing you to the church um i was in first grade so i want to say that was about six or seven years old wow um, when i when i first yeah so it's weird because i consider myself a church kid but i also consider myself you know someone that actually went through a lot when he was little. So it's kind of like a mixture of both. Definitely. So um, what was the reason that they started bringing you to church? They were interested in the gospel? Did they get saved? Yeah, so my mother, I believe she went to Victory Outreach at the time. It was a woman's home in um, Imperial Valley, the one um, she went to when she gave us up. And so she got completely clean. Um, She knew that my dear Rosie was um, serving um, God and was like a born again Christian. And so she had experience um, religion in her life and actually salvation in her life at a point. But of course, you know, she backslid, she got back into drugs, but she always knew the answer. Mm-hmm. And so, um, you know, my aunt and uncle opened up their home and then, you know, we went over there, we moved to San Diego. My father was over there at the time cause he had just got out of um, prison. And so, um, you know, we went over there and went to the Potter's house, you know, since I was a kid. And ever since then, you know, I, w- I don't like to say um, I was in the church because I was always in and out of it. But, you know, that's when I first, you know, really got introduced to, you know, Jesus. And, you know, just it's all my life never my life changed from there. 
yeah. So it sounds like uh, sounds like it was your your aunt and uncle that were really <clears throat> kind of driving that, uh, bringing you to church and stuff, right? Yeah, no, it was definitely them, and then just the exampleship that they also set with their children because they had um, um, four kids as well at the time. It was just I believe two of them, but um, you know they had four kids and just the exampleship they sent with the kids with not missing church and how serious church is. No matter if you're sick, you know you're going to church unless you're you know throwing up your guts. You yeah, know? so that's they, how they, we do. They set right? that example. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Oh, that's cool. Well, so so did you did you notice a change in their life? In my parents? No, in your in your aunt and uncle. Yeah, and honestly, I didn't really know of them um, till we actually moved in with them because uh, they had moved away from the valley um, before I believe I was even born. Okay, so, so you, um, you weren't too close with them. No, I wasn't too close with them. So, um, but I did different. I definitely did see a difference especially coming from dysfunctional, my parents, even just how they would fight, you know, throwing stuff around too, you know, I would never see my, my aunt and my uncle argue, you know, at all. Wow. You know, they didn't, they didn't display that in front of their kids. They didn't display it in front of us. So, you know, I definitely looked at it and I'm like, wow, this is different. Yeah. So, um, so talk about what, what it was like if you didn't have any uh, church experience before that. But then, you know, starting to get into the flow of the church, probably you were in children's church. And, and uh, what, what, did you, what did you start to notice? Honestly, I just noticed the families. That was the biggest thing that I noticed. Mm. Just, um, just the happiness, just security, you know, because we, we never knew when we were going to get taken away. We never knew when the police were going to come. So we just felt safe. I think that would be the best way. We just felt safe there. Um, I never really felt like my parents were ever going to get taken or uh, we were going to get ever taken away after that, you know, before, you know, it's something that would always go through my mind. Like, okay, you know, what's, what's tomorrow going to bring? Um, but yeah, I, I de- think definitely the, the biggest thing would be the family, you know, the exampleship and the, the parenting and the, the children and just the bond and just the family of God, you know, the family, the church as a family. Wow. Yeah, I can imagine that coming from a life of like instability like that, uh, all of a sudden you see, you know, people that that uh, that have their families, um, you know, that they're working on their families. Obviously, nobody's perfect, but to come out of that would be very powerful for you. See, yes, most most definitely. Mm. So, um, so how old were you when you started taking the gospel seriously? Um. Honestly, I would have to say high school or even middle school. You know, as a kid, that was just something that I never knew the Bible studies, the, um, you know, the Bible at all. I never knew, you know, children's church, everything was new to me. You know, mm-hmm. Veggie Tales was new to me, you know, and um, even just like the, the basic stories, you know, of Adam and Eve, you know, this was all new to me. And so it wasn't until, you know, I want to say, you know, middle school to where I kind of like, would have an understanding that what I'm doing is wrong and that I'm living in sin. At first, you know, as a kid, I was just like, well, you know, I didn't really have that, you know, what I'm doing is wrong and what, you know, I need to start living right. So it wasn't until then that I actually, you know, gave my life to God, you know, and was just like, okay, God, like, you know, well, where do I go from here? Because it was so new to me, like, even like the whole prayer, reading my Bible and just, you know, I, I wasn't filled with the Holy Ghost. So I didn't even know, like, 
with that was I was actually embarrassed even like with like raising my hand in church and stuff. It took a while before I was able to even raise my hand because I was like, I don't want people to look at me like funny. You know, this is yeah. this is weird. Were you were you kind of a shy kid? Honestly, yeah, I was um, a very shy kid. Um, when I would even be at school, like I would rarely talk. And even just like, you know, even when it comes to projects, you know, I would find a way to be sick that day or I would make sure that something would happen to where I wasn't the one giving the presentation. I was just holding the poster board or whatever it was. You know, I definitely never wanted to be, you know, the center of attention or even talking to people. So you do know that you're going to be a preacher pretty soon, right? Yes. <laughs> yeah, no, definitely. Yeah, that's pretty cool, man. That's pretty cool. God bring, brought you a long way, it seems like. So, yeah, no, for sure. So what were the circumstances that led you to make a decision to follow Jesus? Well, you know, I was in and out of church um, all the way until 2015. I was, uh, I couldn't even count on my fingers how many times I backslid, you know. And, you know, the last time, you know, the last and final time that I backslid, um, it was something that I believed the lie, you know, the lie of this world. I would see my friends, they looked happy, they looked like they were the ones having fun. And so, you know, it wasn't until then, which was, I believe I was already in high school to where I was like, you know what, I'm going to, I'm just going to do what I want. I'm going to do, you know, I'm going to go experience what the world has to offer. And it was actually in uh, middle school though, when um, I first started smoking weed Mm. and, you know, this was something that was very, very frowned upon with my parents, despite them being drug addicts, drug dealers in the past. Um, they ver- they um, they valued education and they valued the fact that, you know, don't touch drugs because they knew where it led. And they knew that, you know, they're like, you know, marijuana is going to be a gateway drug. You know, yeah, you're going to start off with something small, but then it's going to end up to something, you know, you're going to end up doing heroin, you know. And so, um, yeah, in the middle school is when I started smoking weed. And then, you know, the moment my dad found out because the school called him and he's they're like, hey, you know, just to let you know, Emmanuel didn't come to school today. And so I get home, you know, my eyes are like closed a little bit, you know, I'm still a little high. And then my dad's talking to me like, oh, so how was school? How was school? I was like, yeah, school was cool. You know, it was cool. And he's like, yeah, I got a call. You didn't go. Uh oh. And I was just, I was just in fear. Cause if there was one thing I feared, it was like my, my dad. Cause when he would spank, he had a heavy hand. Mm. So he took me into the garage, grabbed the belt and just started whooping. And I was just like, you know, ever since then, you know, I did touch it one more time after that in high school. But, you know, he really, you know, set that tone for me. Like, hey, you're not going to be messing around. You're not going to get involved in this lifestyle. You should know better. Yeah. And so. So that that was successful? <laughs> yeah, Correction? yeah, exactly. That was um, very successful. And um, it wasn't until, you know, when I backslid and went into the world. And the funny story of it all is. You know, I was more trying to be a chameleon, right? I try to blend in with the world. And the weird thing is I never felt like I fit in. I never felt it. You know, that just wasn't my lifestyle. Um, I would go to parties. I wouldn't drink. I wouldn't smoke with them. And I was just, you know, just trying to blend in. And, you know, it got to the point to where I started doing a good job at it. And, you know, I started being very disrespectful towards women because in the world, it seemed like that's what they liked. That was the only way to get their attention. And I started talking different and just so uneducated, you know, how I talk, just the the slang and everything. And then 
the weird thing is um, when I had backslid, um, I had knew this friend that kind of knew me when I was saved and when I wasn't. And so he kind of seen my life when I was saved. And I went to his house one day and then, you know, I'm just talking and I'm talking about the girl problems I've having. And he, he looks at me and this is a guy that's never been to church. This is the guy that's never been saved. He did communion. You know, that's what he did. Just though he could say that he could get married, you know. So he looks at me and he's like, you're different. And I'm like, what? What do you mean I'm different? I'm the same as you. The same as you, bro. And he's like, nah, you're different. He's like, you've changed. I'm like, no, I haven't changed. And he's like, yeah, you know, I knew you when you were saved. And now I'm looking at you. No, this isn't you. He's like, you should go back to church. Oh, man. And, yeah. And I'm just like, what? I'm like, you don't even go to church. Why are you telling me to go to church? <laughs> and then he's like, no, you need to go back to church. Like, this isn't you. This, you know, this is not, you know. Because he knew me, you know, he knew the kind of person I was and I had definitely changed. And it wasn't until then that God really like started dealing with. And it's just so, you know, I, I would say right now, amazing how God could just use a sinner who's never even heard the gospel, who's never even, you know, experienced salvation to witness to me, you know. And it's crazy that God could use anybody. And he definitely got the message across. but. You know, I kept living the life how I wanted to. You know, I had a girlfriend at the time. We finally broke up. And then um, I randomly, you know, the aunt that I was living with, I randomly called her in October of 2015. And I'm like, hey, Thea, you know, happy birthday, you know. And I'm like, what do you want for your birthday? And she's like, oh, just come to church. And I'm just like, oh, well, that's easy. And I'm like, at least I don't have to spend no money, right? <laughs> so then... um and God was already dealing with me along the road and stuff. So, you know, I definitely was like, all right. So I showed up to church and um, that that was just the initial part. And then I'm like, okay, you know, I did it. You know, I left. And then ever since then, God just started dealing with me. Started giving me like convictions over again. I'm like, God, why am I having these convictions? I'm not even saved. Like, why am I having these? And um, I was getting frustrated because I wasn't able to live the life I wanted to live. And have a joy. I was just convicted. I was dealing with loneliness. I was dealing with unhappiness and you know depression and everything. And I'm just like, okay. So I started, you know, showing my face in church here and there. But I would make sure I would leave like during altar call because I know how it goes. I'm, <laughs> I'm not gonna have someone come up to me and be like, you want to pray, you know? So then it was, um, it was one of those services to where, like I was saying, you know, God was like, you have two roads. You know, you can either start living the way you want to live or you can live for me. And it was almost like God was like, I would release you, you know, I will release you. You know, you don't even have to worry about anything. You could go live the world you want to live or you could choose me. And then it was a sermon. And the crazy thing is it was one of those where I don't even know what was preached. I was just like, you know what, God, you know, I'm just going to lift my hand at the end of this. And so, you know, the sermon was done. The altar call came. and. The pa my pastor Rice was like, lift your hand. And of course, I didn't lift my hand because I was embarrassed. I'm like, oh, do I really want to do this? And then he did it again. He's like, you know, I feel like God's tugging on somebody right now. You know, that's you. Lift your hand. And I just lifted my hand. Mm -hmm. and I'm just like, and then he, I went up there. And then right when I said the sinner's prayer, it was just like, you know, you hear it all the time. Just th this weight just lifted off my shoulders. Just. Even things that I was dealing with in the past that I didn't even know I was dealing with, you know, the spirit of rejection in my life was huge. 
And I didn't know I had that, but it wasn't until, you know, I got saved that God showed me that he delivered me from And so it wasn't until then that I actually just, you know, was like, all right, God, you know, I had like this true conversion finally. God would get saved before, but I don't feel like it was a true conversion. And I feel like this in 2015 was like, God was really with me and it felt like, okay, God, I'm going to live for you. Hmm. Thanks again for listening to the free version of the VBPH Sermon Podcast, where we post sermons on Mondays, Wednesdays, Fridays, and Sundays. We also have a premium version of this podcast, which posts sermons and interviews every single day of the week. So why would you want to subscribe? I'm glad you asked. I have five reasons for you. Number one, on the premium version, we post full versions of Testimony Tuesday, Pastor Campbell Thursday, and Study Day Saturday. If you'd like to hear those episodes, then subscribe now. Reason number two, uninterrupted listening. We remove all ads and all extraneous content from our premium feed. Reason number three, premium episodes always release six hours earlier than the free version. If you're an early bird, it's a great reason to subscribe. Number four, our subscribers will gain access to our sermon chat group on WhatsApp where we interact directly with listeners around the globe. If you'd like to chat with other premium subscribers, subscribe today. And finally, every dollar we raise goes to world evangelism. This is the best reason to subscribe, because you are helping us launch churches all around the world. We don't put one dime in our pockets. Everything that we raise from this podcast will go directly to Thursday night of Chandler Conference. So please subscribe today by using the links in the show notes below. Thanks. Man, that's powerful. So I'm curious, what, what were the things immediately that you began to see change in your life? Um, definitely my attitude, you know, um, I, I had that joy again. I was awful, always a joyful kid, but I got that back. You know, I got that back. My spirit of depression just, you know, just completely fell off of me. You know, this, the spirit of lust, you know, that was one thing that, you know, just completely came off of me. And it was one thing that, you know, as a kid, I wouldn't even look at girls. And it wasn't until I got corrupted by the world where I would force myself to look at girls because I didn't want to be called gay. I didn't want to be called, ah, what, what are you doing? You know, you don't look at girls, you know, because, you know, as a man in the world, you know, that's what they do. That's normal. Yep. So it was almost I had to force myself to do that. And it was such a demonic spirit that took everything you know just to get rid of it and it was um you know something that you know it's sad to say i had to force myself to get into because that was the standard to becoming a man in the world mm. and so those are things that you know just fell off of me and you know just even the way i looked at life and just it was no longer just oh i'm just living life to go to work come home and sleep it was like no i'm living life for god i'm living life for you know, and I didn't know what the calling was. You know, I never even thought about being a pastor. You know, I was just like, you know, I'll just be in church. You know, that's it. You know, I, I'm not going to pastor. You know, that's something uh, that for those who are called, I, I don't like pe- being in front of people. So that's not. Right. Right. How, how old were you when you got saved? So that was 2015. I believe I was 23 years old. Okay. When I got saved. So, wow. You, um. You, that that was a little bit older than I had assumed. I was thinking that this was still in your teen years. So there was there was definitely some time that passed, huh? Yeah, no, definitely. Like time was just passing, and the thing was, um, it's like God never allowed me to get too far 
to the world. Like, he, for some reason, I never got comfortable. And I always felt like um, the outcast, no matter how much my friends would try to include me. I always felt like I didn't belong because I knew what was right. I knew what was wrong. And I knew what they were doing was wrong. And I knew that how was real. I never lost that. I never lost, you know, I knew that if I died, I was going to hell. And the funny thing is um, I would actually um, try to rehearse the sinner's prayer as quick as I can. <laughs> just in case. Yeah. Just, I've heard about know, this. <laughs> yeah, just in case, you know, like, okay, if I was in a car accident, how fast can I say it? You know, I'll tie myself. And, <laughs> sounds ridiculous, but, you know, that's the my mindset, you know, because I always believed in God. I always knew what was right and wrong. And, you know, I thank God that, you know, he didn't allow me to get comfortable. And he didn't allow, he didn't, he didn't just let go, you know. He, you know, he was always with me. I always felt him, you know, the church praying. I always knew the church was praying and, you know. So I, it was just something that, you know, I thank God for our church and I thank God for our fellowship because we never give up, you know, no matter how deep someone is. Yeah, that's amazing. So, so you started getting exposed to the church in San Diego at what age? I believe it was like seven. So seven, we're talking about 14 years later. Yeah. 14 years. So that, that man, so that, First of all, um, like what took you so long? But no, secondly, yeah, right. <laughs> but what that really does is it gives us hope, man, for people that are kind of on the fringes, people that are hanging around, people that are you know come in every once in a while, lift a hand, and then you don't see them for six months. Man, I, I got a guy in mind right now that has been coming on and off for like seven years, you know, and it's like, is this guy ever gonna get his head screwed on straight? But uh, you are living proof that that does happen sometimes. And so maybe, maybe you should give, give people like me and other pastors and other disciples out there, give us some hope, man, that God can still save people. Yeah, no, I definitely, you know, the story that comes to mind is the story of Lot. And how, he, you know, it was just that Abraham at the time was just, Abraham was just, you know, contending the God. What if there's 10, you know? And, you know, it was that it was that, that actually, you know, saved them from that destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah. And, you know, I kind of compare California to Sodom and Gomorrah, you know, just all the crazy things. I wonder why. Yeah. <laughs> and um, the funny thing is um, me and my wife, you know, how we just got sent out this year, we were actually moving into our new house because we wanted to be closer to this church in La Mesa. And um, I random, randomly found her old Bible. And, you know, this was the Bible she had. It's all, like, torn up, you know. Thank God I chose a godly wife that was in her word. And I saw my name in there. And this is before she even knew me. This is before she even, like, we've even talked. And I saw my name in there, and it said, um, Save Manuel. That's my nickname, Manuel. So Save Manuel. And, you know, I looked at that, and I'm just like, wow. Like, this we we serve an amazing church like my like just to see how God works itself out you know my wife was praying for me even when you know we didn't even know each other wow even when like she yeah when I was a backslider you know there's a couple of backslider names on there and um yeah it's just you know God's good God's amazing you know the way He works things out in our life yeah and that's what it says in Romans it's the goodness of God that draws men to repentance you mm -hmm. know. And, uh, you know, us preachers, we, we like to be hard on the flock sometimes and, you know, bring, bring the conviction. And sometimes absolutely it's necessary, but it's the goodness of God, which leads us to repentance. That's powerful. And we got to, we got to keep that in balance. 
Oh, yes, definitely. And even just, you know, like you said, like being out of church for 14 years, like there's times where I want to get like, like kind of like, what are you doing, bro? Like, what are you doing? You know, in church, like there's so many times I want to have that spirit. And then I remember the, you know, the road, you know, I was down and how God had patience with me and how God, yeah. you know, you know, slowly guided me back to church and just, right? it just reminds me. And it's like, all right, God, you know. Man, you are never allowed to be impatient with people. (laughs) Yes, for sure. (laughs) Wow. So God has really uh, helped you in in a a process of time, as they like to say. So, Mm -hmm. okay. So you make a decision. Twenty three years old. I'm curious, also, Emmanuel, about your about your trade, your industry. What kind of work do you do? Um. So I work um in biotech. So whoa. um, So yeah, it's a pharmaceutical warehouse over here in San Diego. And they like produce medicines for like cancers and other diseases. I'm more of the warehouse side of it. So um, I do the receiving area, do the paperwork and things of that sort. But I've been there for about going on five years now. Okay. Okay. Warehouse. I'm familiar with that. I used to work warehouse in, in uh, back in when I lived in Phoenix area. And uh, that is not nice to li- walk in a, no. to a warehouse <laughs> at 120 degrees outside. So I I felt the burn for a few years myself. <laughs> oh, I bet. <laughs> yeah. So, but yeah, man, that's that's amazing. So tell us, uh, after you uh make this decision to follow follow the Lord and get serious about living for God, um, what what's it like? What kind of what kind of decisions did you have to make? Because you know, along the way, we all have to we got to drop some things uh, if we're going to run for Jesus. So. Yeah, exactly. So it was almost one of those things where you know when I got saved, you know I. At that time, you know, I wasn't looking back and I was just going, you know, forward with God. You know, um, I think it was actually the first year I actually read my Bible through. And so that was, you know, a miracle in all itself because I'm not a reader. And so, you know, I'm like, okay, you know, and then um, the fellowship fast came in January, I believe for Prescott. And um, I did the three days and stuff. And I'm like, wow, like I've never done this before, you know, and I just seen God. Like spiritual just boot camp. Yes, exactly. And I just seen God move. And then, uh, and then it wasn't until you know 2017 is when I um, actually got married to my wife, and so um, we actually were friends for a good while. She actually uh, moved in with my my aunt and uncle, the one I lived with when I was a kid, because she also was going through dysfunctional with her family. You know, her parents divorced, um, and she was just living with um, her dad was single, and of course her dad was going through something, getting into a new marriage, so she was looking for something new. So she actually moved with my aunt and uncle, the one I lived with when I was a kid. So that's how we kind of crossed paths. And so um, when she um, she was living there for four years, and then when I started dating her, you know, it was a while, you know, I was praying about it. And I was, um, I talked to my pastor. I'm like, hey, this is what I want to do. And he's like, okay, you need to get in ministry. So then the first thing I did was I became an usher, right? Praise the Lord. And and like I said, a lot of um, a lot of things were, I didn't do a lot of things because I was shy. So even ushering, I was that usher that when I went up there, I'm like, please do not pick on me to pray right now. Please <laughs> do not pick on me. And it's funny to think back like that. And I would, um, I would also have a, you know, a prayer memorized that I would always say just in case they picked on me, just so I don't stutter, just so I don't, you know. And so, you know, that's how my ministry went. And then finally, you know, from there, I actually got involved in the children's church. And so, you know, that was a, a big step for me because I was somebody that I didn't like to be out of my comfort zone. So I didn't want to look silly. 
And of course, in children's church, you're doing some silly things, right? You're wearing the wigs, you know, you're in there, you, you're, you're reenacting, we're doing like the, all the little skits and everything. And so, you know, that's definitely helped me in the path, you know, that I'm on right now. And then, of course, I started getting more involved in the counting ministry. So I started counting. And then um, from there, you know, pastor was challenging people. And this is, of course, when I, when I got married, he was challenging people like, hey, you, um, we need, we need um, Bible study leaders. We need Bible study leaders. And so, of course, I'm like, okay. And God start, God's starting to deal with me. And I'm just like, all right. You know, I'll just be like, hey, if you need someone, you know, just let me know. And then I'll just walk away. Like, I didn't want to be like, hey, you know, let me know. I really want to do this. You know, it was just something like, I just, all right, God, I did it, you know. And then that's that. And so, you know, I became a Bible study leader. And I actually had a guy in Bible study who was a door director at the time. He's actually um, preaching out in Detroit right now. And, you know, it was a big challenging thing for me because he was very knowledgeable in the Bible. I wasn't at the time. You know, I was still reading my Bible, trying to get, you know, the knowledge and everything. And um, I was very intimidated in the sense of, like, I was like, dang, how, who am I to be teaching him? Like, who am I to be teaching any of these people, you know? And, you know, I just contended in prayer. And, you know, ever since then, you know, God, you know, would help me out and I would be nervous. You know, my first couple of Bible studies, I would just, you know, they would be quick, which people seem to love because they got to eat real quick too. <laughs> like 15 minutes, okay, let's eat, you know? Yeah, there's an old proverb that goes like this. Uh, it's the, uh, it's the, the ninth, uh, what do they call it? The ninth beatitude. It's a ble- <laughs> blessed is the preacher who preaches short for he shall, yeah. he shall be invited to preach again. yeah well that was me you know with my bible studies and uh, it was definitely you know a time in my life where you know i felt like god was moving and um you know what what all started it is uh i went to a tempe conference oh and this was the that'll mess you up yep (laughs) and so i went there and it was my first conference ever so i went there you know i was the the new convert that still wore shorts I wore sweats. I wore my um, Nike slides. You know, I came, I was comfortable. That was my thing. I was comfortable. I didn't like to do anything that didn't make me comfortable. And I go there and, you know, I'm married at this time. And I'm like, God, I, I just need you to move. I just need you to move in my life. And I felt God, you know, press me and be like, in order for me to move, you need to move. And I'm just like, wow, that sounds simple, <laughs> but it, it hit hard, you know, I'm just like, wow, it was just this revelation to me, like, okay, and it was ever since then, where no matter what came my way, no matter how uncomfortable it made me, no matter how many people were going to be watching, no matter if I made myself look foolish, I was going to say, yes, you want to do an altar call? Yes. You want to do, you know, a Bible study? Yes. You want to go to this ministry? Yes. And even though my head would be shaking, no, <laughs> you know, I'll, 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 you know, I'll be saying yes. And, you know, honestly, it was, you know, God, you know, I felt like God really need, I needed to really do that in order for God to be like, okay, I can use them. I really, as long as he's willing. I really, really love that. And I respect that because I know how rare that is in the world for somebody to make a decision like that. So I, I want to hear a little bit more about that. And I want to ask you about how you, uh, how you decided to get married to this godly girl. And then I want to ask you how you made the decision to go out and pioneer a church. Uh, but we are going to go ahead and say goodbye to all of our uh, free listeners. And we want to 
we want to encourage you at this point, go ahead and uh, jump in and get a, get a subscription so you can hear the second half of this interview. And so we're going to take a quick break uh, to hear the answers to all those questions. You got to be a subscriber. So you can jump over to our Apple podcast page and hit the subscribe button there, or you can go straight to the supercast.tech link. Uh, it's a little bit cheaper to go that way, uh, but no matter which way you decide to, to subscribe, just know you are making an impact and a difference for world evangelism. That's why we do this podcast. We don't keep a dime. We don't keep a nickel. We don't even keep a penny. Uh, it's all going to Thursday night world evangelism. So uh, we thank you uh, at this point for all of our free listeners, you guys uh, holding down the fort. Uh, but if you want to hear the second half of this interview, uh, jump over and become a subscriber. Thank you very much. You've reached the end of the preview of this Testimony Tuesday episode. If you want to hear the second half of this interview, please use the links in the show notes to subscribe. You'll get daily sermons, full testimonies, and an interruption-free listening experience. And every dollar goes to world evangelism. Thanks for listening to this episode of Testimony Tuesday on the VBPH Sermon Podcast. We've got a special promotion for the faithful listeners of the VBPH Sermon Podcast. Here's the deal, Jack. (laughs) We're taking an impact team to Pastor Paul and Deanna Alvarez in Lima, Peru. (laughs) They let us know that they need some equipment. We'd like to give you a chance to help us buy them a new iPad and a new smart TV for their children's church. Our goal is to raise $1,000 for these items, and we think you'd like to help. So here's what we're offering. So here's what we came up with, guys. When you donate $30 or more to this fund, uh, you're going to get a six-month subscription to the premium podcast at no additional cost. And when you donate $50 or more, then we're going to give you a full year. How about that? Yeah. You'll get all the benefits of our premium sermon podcast, which means daily sermons, interruption-free listening, and zero commercials. We'll get new subscribers out of it, and Pastor Alvarez will get some new equipment to help with what God is doing there. Uh, We think it's a win, win, win. (laughs) Uh, This promotion will only last until our impact team, which is happening toward the end of June. So don't miss this opportunity. But wait. Pastor Adam, Dave, what if, what if I'm already a premium subscriber? I'm so glad you asked. Well, so we are going to pass to you, those of you who are already paying for a subscription, we can give you a gift subscription that you can pass on to somebody else out there who always wanted to subscribe but never got around to it for whatever reason. Right. So all of the links will be in the show notes. And we look forward to being a blessing to you and to Pastor Paul in the coming weeks. Thanks, guys. Thank you so much for listening to the sermon podcast of the Virginia Beach Potter's House Church. Were you blessed by today's message? Let us know. Please leave us a rating on Apple Podcast or on Podchaser. We'll be back next time with another life-changing word from heaven. God bless. God bless.